Well, I want to start off this morning with some extreme transparency, which is always a good place to start. And I want to share with you one of my most stressful moments in my life. Now, there are several moments that I could share with you, um, and they come to mind. It could be the day I became a dad, became a dad of a daughter, <laughs> multiple daughters. Or maybe it was the day that I got married. It's a pretty stressful day. Or maybe it was the day that I proposed to Christine. I was not sweating it at all that day. Or maybe there was the day that I asked Christine's father for permission to marry his daughter. Got to be honest, that was a pretty stressful day. Or maybe it was the day that I, I left home for college. And I know some parents right now, that's a little fresh. Might be a stressful time to think of your kids going off to school. But those are all stories for another time. I want, you, I want to share with you all what is a very recent stressful moment in my life. It was writing this sermon. And, and I'm, I'm not kidding right now. Actually, writing this sermon was really hard for me. It was hard to sit down and, and get the words out and say what God is directing me to say. But you know what? There's an, an even another time that was really stressful. It was writing last week's sermon. You can kind of see where this is going. And then there was the time back in June where I got to pray, uh, preach for multiple weeks. The thing is, is I, I love getting to teach. I love getting to do it here at church on Sunday mornings. I love getting to do it at the bridge. I love watching movies and telling people useless trivia facts. I love talking and teaching. And the thing is, is I will say, outside of watching films, uh, this is an area where God has been, has been stretching me in the past few years. You know, as a worship leader, we stand behind a microphone, we usually say a few words, maybe we get to do announcements, we'll pull out a scripture that is in reference to the song that we did, and I actually thought about doing that today, and I'm like, I'm about to make fun of myself, nope. But then preaching, coming up and teaching, there's so much more that goes into preparing a sermon, whether it's finding points, anecdotes, in my case, lame dad jokes, but most importantly, finding scriptures not to just back it up, but to be the driving force behind what I'm teaching. And the thing is, is, it is not just an investment of time, it is, but it's also going to God in prayer saying, God, use me to say what needs to be said. And every time I get to speak, I, I get to see a different piece of God revealed in a different way and, and how he is equipping me to share his words with, with you guys or whether it's at the bridge. And I share this right now, not out of need of like, oh, poor Nate, he's been all week preparing this sermon. I, I, I don't need the pity. I don't need the praise. I don't need that. But to be honest, I could not do this. And I, I can attest to just even this morning, I needed God in this because I could not do it without him. But what about you guys? Let's pray real quick before we dive into that question. Heavenly Father, Lord, I ask that you use this time as we uh, look to your word as we look to the story of the ten talents. And um, God, reveal to us today what you are, are wanting us to see, what you want to work on our hearts. And uh, God, use me today as, as I share your word. And um, I just pray for us all in Jesus' mighty, precious name. Amen. So like I said, what about you guys? When you think about a stressful situation, it's a great way to start off a sermon. When you think of a stressful situation, maybe it's giving a presentation at work, Maybe it's getting a root canal. Maybe it's being asked to share your name and three unique things about yourself. Everyone loves that game. Or maybe sharing your faith. What happens to you? Your heart starts racing. Your palms are sweaty. Knees are weak. There's a pit in your stomach. These are all signs 
that you're human, which is good, uh, but your mind is racing and thinking through things like, did I prepare well enough for this? Why did I sign up for this? Am I equipped to do this? Is this what God was wanting me to do? Well, today, and I'm going to have you guys, you have Bibles in the pews in front of you, or if you have it on your phone like I do, you guys want to pull out your Bibles. We're going to Matthew 25, so I'm going to give you guys like 15 seconds to, uh, to pull out your Bibles, because it's been a while since we've said, hey, pull out your Bibles. You got them. But like I said, our, today our story, a passage comes from the book of Matthew, Matthew 25, 14 through 30. The words will be on the screen as well, but I love hearing the fluttering of pages. That's a beautiful sound. And we're going to be reading one of Jesus' parables, and he's sharing this with his disciples. All right, I want to go ahead and read. <clears throat> so the parable of the bags of gold or the parable of the talents. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another, two bags, and to another, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they will have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The word of God for the people of God. I, I got to be honest, right off the bat, there's some, you know, it's biblical uh, insults, but boy, wicked, lazy servant and worthless servant, they're, they're just cutting words. <laughs> so today, I titled the sermon, because I like coming up with, with titles, it's, it's kind of a hobby of mine, but I titled today's sermon, The Parable of Missed Connections, and this is because of the parables that actually surround this story. And um, I'm already going to give you homework for the week, but after today, read the parable before this one and read the parable after this one. That's your reading for, actually read all three again would be good, but they all deal with a missed opportunity to connect with God. Now, 
our story follows four individuals. We have the master and the three servants. The master passes out his bags of gold, or talents, as it says in other translations. He passes them out to his three, three servants. One gets five, one gets two, and one gets one bag. Servants one and two go, and they double their money. They, and they go, and they do work with it. And the thing is, is they double it, so they come back with ten and four bags of gold. However, servant three just goes out in the field and buries his money because he is fearful of what's going to happen to him. We see this master, he comes back into the story, and after some time, he's really pleased with the first two servants. Well done, good and faithful servants. And um, they showed faithfulness in what they were doing, what they had been given to them, and what they were equipped with, they doubled their gold. And he was impressed by this, and you are blessed. And so, then he comes to the third servant. And right away, he's not happy with him because he hands back his original bag. But he makes his case. He makes his excuses for burying his gold. And the master, he is ticked. He calls him some colorful biblical language. And he's angered and he excuses him and throws him out. You are out of serving with me. Now this parable, it really lands more as a cautionary tale. And we're going to unpack some of the deeper meanings from this passage. Now, when Jesus tells his parables, when we read his parables in Scripture, they are meant for the, the people that would have been hearing them, which in this case would have been the disciples and those around them. And then it's for us readers that we get to think of it from their perspective, and then we get to think of it from ours as well. Multi-layers. We know that God is the master in this story. Right off the bat, we can read that and say, I got that character. But what we have to decide is are we a servant who will use what has been given to us, or will we bury it in a field? This whole series that Scott preached most of it, and I get to kind of hit the, hit the last little bit, this whole series has been focused on how we put others first. I mean, it's in the title, Others First. But this passage is a little different. This passage, the focus is on us, and it's looking at what we're doing. When we read it, we can see that God has given us gold. He's given us talents. And it's in the form of, of resources, of life experiences, of giftings, of wisdom and knowledge, a heart for others. Our challenge is, are we going to use it? God has given these things to us. Are we going to use them? In reading this passage, we can look at our lives and see, how has God been working in us? And how has he been working in us for that time when an opportunity arises that we will step up, we will step out and do something for God and others in faith. God is going to stretch us, he's going to grow us to have a greater capacity. When we do these things, he's going to grow us and stretch us to have a greater capacity to do more things in his name for his glory, and we will be blessed. Now, a couple years ago, I had the opportunity to, to help out in the youth ministry, um, and this was at a church I was at before I was serving. It was before I stepped into working with students. And uh, I, was, I was in my early 20s, and I thought, yikes, you really want me back with the teenagers? This is not a good idea. I'm still a, I'm still a big kid. Actually, today I'm still a big kid most of the times. Uh, but do you really want me working with teenagers? Like, this just sounds like a bad idea. And like I said, it was a bad idea, but if I had not done that, if I... I would I, have been, would I have been able to add any value? was kind of what I was wondering. Do I have anything to give? But in that moment, when I was questioning it, and I had someone over me, my youth pastor said, Nate, I think this would be good for you. The thing is, is God saw the giftings that he had given me, 
He said, Nate, you are gifted in music. So I'm going to have you help start a youth band. You're going to work with the teenagers at our church that have a love for music. And that's a way that you're going to connect with them. And maybe it's not just going to be worship music. It's going to be stuff that they're into. And then there was the time where our youth pastor left and we lacked direction and leadership. And I'm one of those people that if I look around in a group and no one's wanting to step up and be the, the leader, I'm like, I'll do it. I might not do a great job, but I'm going to do it. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but that's what I like. To, I just, I, I see that void and say, someone needs to step up. So I got to step into that for a season when we had no one to lead, and I helped lead. God calls. We have to answer. But what about when we act more like the last servant? God calls and we say, sorry. God gives us an opportunity, and we don't feel like it. Or we don't feel like we can do it. Maybe we feel ill-equipped. Kind of like, Nate, I'm in my upper years. What do I have to offer to the youth ministry? You've got a lot to offer, not just good cookies and you are more equipped than you realize. Maybe you think someone else can do it and probably do a better job than I can. And there, there are the times where you can look and say, like, I just don't feel like that's something I can do. And you say, why isn't someone else stepping up? Again, the Nate response would be, I'll do it. Nate, you're not equipped to lead a girls group. I'll do it. No, I'll find, my wife will do it. Uh, we'll find someone. And that's part of being a leader is you find people to step into that. Maybe we're afraid to fail. That's the nail on the head right there. We're afraid that if we step out, that we're going to fall on our face, that we're going to screw up. Then we're going to mess up someone's salvation. i got to be honest, that was one early on in my ministry. I'm like, I'm going to say something really heretical, and it's going to be bad. God can use you even in your failings. Or then there's the other question. How much is this going to cost me? And maybe it's not going to be a financial thing. Maybe it's the time. We feel these things, and we say, ah, God, I, just, I don't think this is something for me to step into. And I guarantee you, everyone in this room has been there probably at some point, and they've asked those questions or thought those things that can they do that? What we need to do, what all of us need to do, is we need to recognize that this is a time where we need to lean into God more. And John jumps the gun, but God is either in the process of building us up or breaking us down to see what we need from him. To see we need him, not from him, that we need him. Looking back at this parable, what was really the one thing the last servant was lacking? When we, when we read this story, he had his call, go and use what the master has given you. He had his goal, a resource to accomplish his call. But what did he lack? He lacked, not mustard seeds, he lacked faith. The case could be made, he didn't have a lot to work with. He had one bag of gold. The other guys had a lot more. They had it so much easier. But the thing is, is we can look throughout Scripture and we can see God doing much with little. I think I shared last week, I'm, I'm in the process of, of reading the entire Bible and uh, because I have to show off, I'm doing it in half a year. It's for school. But um, I'm right now just finishing up 1 Samuel. And it's the first time I've ever read through the Bible. That's my extreme transparency this morning. So this is my first time reading through the whole Bible. But I just got done reading some of the stories of, early stories of David and his time before he became king. And 
I mean, it's the classic David and Goliath story. We see this little boy come up against this giant behemoth. God did much with a little guy with a few stones in a sling. Then we look at the New Testament. We see the story of the boy with the fishes and loaves. Jesus feeds the 5,000 with just a little bit, with a boy's lunchable, basically. He says, I'm going to feed all these people with just a little bit. Actually, fishes and loaves would be better than a lunchable. Uh, then we read on, again, another story with Jesus. He healed the demon-possessed boy, and the disciples, as frustrated as they were, they couldn't heal him. And we read in Matthew 17, 20, he replied, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. God can do much with little when we have faith. We must trust that God has equipped us to do what he has called us to, no matter the circumstances. And when we do, God will bless us, and he's going to bless us with more to do. When we live into the life God has called us to, loving him, using the giftings he has given us, and serving him and putting others first, we can change the world. And church, what's even greater is when we, as a church family, as Crossview Church, continue to put, out faith in, put our faith in God and use what he has given us, we can become a community on mission so that one more person might know Jesus. We cannot sit inside and have a holy huddle. We have to get out, not just be satisfied here, but we need to go out because God has put in us a charge of much more. He wants us to go and do so much more. In preparing this sermon, I had a working title, the, the parable of misconnections. I thought it was cute, um, but I had a different working title, uh, and it's the song title, Gotta Serve Somebody. And I am a Bob Dylan fan, and if that makes you judge me, that's okay. Um, but I'm a huge Bob Dylan fan, and I promise I will not do an impersonation of him. Oh, I did it. Uh, when Dylan, <laughs> that's bad, sorry. When Dylan became a Christian, if you didn't know, he, he was a Christian for a season. But he became one in the late 60s, and he wrote the song, Gotta Serve Somebody. And to be honest, if you're not a Dylan fan, don't go and look it up, because you're going to be like, Nate, your taste in music is questionable. Uh, but this song, it's just long stanzas of rambling, which is typical of a, Do a Bob Dylan song. But the chorus, it, it's just this, it's like a praise and worship song. It's the same, like, 11 words over and over again. Uh, but it comes back to the phrase, You've got, you're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. There's some chilling truth in those words. That's hard to hear. So Johnny Eisens was telling me last week, I love talking with Johnny, he's, he's a wealth of knowledge, but he told me, Nate, he's like, you got to look up. At that time when that song was written, John Lennon, yes, the John Lennon of the Beatles, he was not happy with Bob. Him and Bob Dylan, they were friends and they had kind of a falling out, um, but John Lennon wrote his own song because he was just so ticked. He's like, Bob, you were this crazy pot-smoking hippie and now you're this straight-laced Christian guy. So he wrote a song in response to Dylan's song called Serve Yourself, and I will save you the time. It's a terrible song, and not just because the lyrics are bad, it's terrible. 
I'm not a Lennon fan. I got to admit, after the Beatles broke up, George and Paul wrote the best music. We can talk later after church if you disagree with me on that. that. Sorry, Ringo. I share all this bit of musical trivia, one, because sometimes I just got to sneak something like that in there. Or if we have a trivia night coming up, you might have that question come up. But what I wanted to show you guys is this is the divide in the world we live in. Now, this was back in the 60s and 70s, but that divide hasn't changed. Some would say that divide's gotten even bigger as time has gone on. The world champions self, me, you, over everyone else. That what we need to do is we must put ourselves, they want us to put ourselves first and everyone else can deal with their own issues. Let other people deal with their own things. I need to focus on me. Serve no one else but yourself. But we know that this is not God's way. God calls us to love him and love others as ourselves. He calls us to serve him and serve others first. With our fishes and loaves, God can do much, even with us. 